to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. With your host, Conan Neutron. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rock about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. The thing is, though... If you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree with sharp and nails. Confidence of a hero or a fool. I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. It's That's like a science thing, right? Indeed, indeed, indeed it is. It is a science thing. It is a science place. It is a scientific fact. We are all up in your face. It is time once again for the one, uh, the only, Protonic Reversal. Talking tonight to Mr. Eugene Robinson. Frontman, vocalist of the Mighty Oxbow. Writer. Actor. General badass. Awesome fella. Stoked to have him on. Welcome. First time listeners as well as long time listeners. The name of the show is Code Neutron's Protonic Reversal. The show airs weekly, Thursdays, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, 6 Mountain, 5 Pacific on RadioNope.com. And it's later podcasted everywhere. That's where we talk about musicians. Why do you do what you do? On we, all that stuff. I, I, I've never done one of these pre-roll things. I know all the cool kids do it meaning all shows that are uh, more successful and known than mine. But it's something where I realize I probably need to start doing it. People just kind of wander in. They don't know what's going on. You know, you don't want to be unwelcome. But there's a long-running show. A seven-year anniversary is coming up pretty soon. So that's wild. I think it's going to be seven years, 250 episodes, which is – I'd like to say I planned that, but – I really didn't. <laughs> I'd like to say it. It would just be wrong. Uh, so this episode, Mr. Eugene Robinson of Oxbow, Whipping Boy, episode 245. And looking very, looking forward to having him on. Fascinating dude. If you haven't checked out his recent writings, he's an excellent writer as well as an excellent fun man, front man. He's a fun man too, sure. Excellent musician. So... Eugene's rad, and I'm excited to have him. It's been a while since he's been on. Uh, he's been on the show before. It's been almost four years. Yeah, episode 98. Okay, so that tells you. That tells you what's going on. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and bring him on, Mr. Eugene Robinson. Eugene, welcome. I was just listening to Thin Black Duke, one of my favorite records of you guys, earlier today. I think it was it was well after I had you on the show last time, which has been like four years. It's been a yep. while. I looked it up. It's been it's been a hot minute. I named it the top record of twenty seventeen. Nice. Nice. So you probably, thank, you. thank you for doing that. You got that protonic reversal bump of like, you know, two listens, I'm sure. And uh, you know, that's good. <laughs> it means something. Well, I, I thought it was a record of the year as well, so we uh, concur, you know. Um I mean, I told people before it came out, I was like, yeah, you know, you might not like it, 
But, you know, the quality of this record cannot be denied. And I've not said that about the other records. So right. you should, you should uh, uh, um, I was in deadly earnest when I said that about that one. I always appreciate your sense of self. I, I would say actually that, and I did play, I played a song off Serenade in Red and uh, off of uh, 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 <laughs> Evil Heat as well, which I, I like those records, but I, I too, so far, I think that Duke is the one. I think that's the, that's the record, but we can talk about that all, all day, all day long. Uh, you got, you got some news. You've got some news about something new that's happening, right? Yeah, yeah, the Epicac news, which is uh, given that this is April first, uh, April Fool's Day, one of my least favorite holidays. <laughs> you need to, need to know, uh, mostly because it's not a holiday; uh, it's just like a day for bad pranks. But uh, it is indeed not a prank, and, and in actual fact, quite real. Um, so, after Hydra had left, we kind of decided to poke around and to see who was interested, looking for fellow travelers, and, uh, and they emerged as being uh, interested, which is strange because they had never been interested before. And we asked them about that, and they were like, well, we didn't really like the other records as much, <laughs> you know, but they, of course, got to hear a preliminary version of, uh, I mean, we've not finished it yet, of Love's Holiday, and we're like, oh, okay, oh, okay, we, we got we to gotta put this one out, so... So, so after they heard the preliminaries, then they, they kind of kind of brought them on board uh, with that. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're still we we finished all the vocals and we finished all the basics, and then we're still doing the trying to figure out how to get a choir together in the socially distant time, you know. Um, yeah. As well as, well, yeah, we've got a couple of solutions, you know, big enough rooms in LA where you could have people, you know, enough mics and enough people in a room six feet apart so that it actually sounds like something real so um and then of course we've had as usual given you know oxbow's deal we've had a little bit of tragedy um with Nico's father just died uh, yesterday so this oh. is, uh, inevitably will slow it will slow us down a little bit but uh, uh condolences should be sent his way and uh yeah you know so horrible i mean oxbow has always occurred occurred around in on so uh, that that is not unusual. Well, that's a shame. I mean, it's it's I, it's interesting that Ipecac is kind of only just now getting on board because like, I feel that's always kind of been like, oh yeah, like when I heard that, I'm like, huh, yeah, that works, that fits. Like they have a. They were straight about it. I mean, you know, the reality of it is, the first time I contacted Aaron, um, I, who was it? Kristen Von Till said. I said, they want to release uh, an Evil Heat on vinyl. And she said, well, you know, um, what did she say? She said, uh, uh, Neurot wasn't going to do it, but that we should check out these guys at Hydrahead. They were pretty interesting. They might do it. So I wrote Aaron and Aaron, <laughs> she, uh, you know, Aaron Turner, as, as usual, to the point, was like, no. <laughs> we're like, okay, all right, cool, you know. And so, but, you know, I appreciate no, we're losing a little bit, I think, here. Yeah, okay, there you go. It broke, it yeah. for a so, you know, we did ask. Uh, it says, my internet connection is unstable. Uh, <laughs> and that's not all that's unstable. Yeah, I mean exactly. So, you know, I think, I think we asked, or somebody asked, and they, they said, well, we always thought you guys are much more of a live band before and never really hit on record. 
but uh, they they felt like we we had done so on uh, Love's Holiday, um, at, at least what they heard of it. So, I mean, there's something to be said for being forthright. That's yeah, no, oh, I I appreciate it 100. percent I mean, I can't I can't. It's it's too much trouble for me to attempt to deal with gray shades. I, I can't. It's just right. for me. I like I'm on the spectrum to just ignore, you know ignore it. You know. And you, you got to be really direct with me, otherwise I'm just I'm not getting it. So, yeah, like you don't want someone blowing smoke. I mean, it's it's good. It's better to know where you stand, I think, in a situation yeah, like. Yeah, but I mean, it, it was something that was, you know, these are just words. It was something that was kind of I was curious about, not angry, just curious. You know, I mean, you know, people have different objectives and different reasons why they do what they do, um, and it's never I've never succeeded in. I'll give you an example. You know, I published my fight book on uh, Harper Collins. Right. So since then, I've had a lot of people say, well, you're going to do a sequel, going to do part two or the second book. I mean, a lot of people, people have contacted me from publishers in, in Europe and in France. And I don't want to put the book out in translation. So I contacted yeah. the guy who's the CEO of HarperCollins. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you, like 80 percent of what he put out last year didn't sell more than the fight book. Right. But the guy just you know, wasn't looking for it. Like the guy, you know, there's a guy who got came on board at Warner Brothers. And yeah. said, well, now that I'm the boss, let me see who we have here. Who's this Devo? And yeah. he's like, well, Devo's, you know, and he goes, fuck Devo. And he canned them. Didn't know anything about them. Didn't hit, was just like, they got to go. I mean, you know, people, it's, I, I, I just, I, I can't spend any portion of my time trying to figure out why people do what they do, except to maybe, you know, be a positivist and hope that, you know, that they do what they do because they have good reasons to do so. So who, far be it for me to question them. But you know, it doesn't change, you know, it doesn't change the fact that, that, you know, I still like and appreciate people who don't necessarily like and appreciate me. You know? Yeah. No, hundred percent. And it's something where, you know, Oxbow has always kind of been like for the people that it's for too. Yeah, and that's, and that largely informs, informs my attitude. It's, and, and, and you know what story, like in terms of origin stories, you know what I've heard again and again? I mean, I don't know any serious listener of Oxbow who liked us at first, <laughs> you know, <laughs> In fact, some of the most hardcore Oxbow fans have been like people who yeah. bought the record, said screw this, took it back to the store, and then it kept, you know, and they went back and got it again. I mean, one of our biggest fans, he's dead now, but did that three times before he finally realized Dang. the fact that I've done this three times means that there's something here. So I get that. I, I hear that a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Well, it's not a band that evokes uh you know a gray response right like it's going to be like either very hot or very cold it seems yeah yeah and and i mean you know different people hear different things right i mean i've often felt largely that we were a a musician's band you know that if you could actually play an instrument of any of any you know bass drums guitar vocals are you in the composition that you listen to oxbow a little bit differently than you know than the people who were just there for the for the easy beats. So, um, and uh, alternatively, from my side of it, if you were into writing literature, you might have appreciated the lyrics. But the thing about digital is that a lot of times, half the people at, at this point in time are not even hearing that that we have lyrics, you know? Because, you right. know, I mean, Hydra had pursued this for a long time with iTunes, that when you bought an Oxford record via iTunes, that it also gave you the lyrics. But, you know, that's it's, it's always been catch as catch can. It's never been quite reliable. 
Well, and that's something that's that's like the digital age, right? The digital age is like, you know, music is a commodity. Everything has to be like a one-size-fits-all situation. And uh, it, w- what you lose is any band that has some nuance to it and, and has nuance and like has an entire presentation. You know, a perfect example, I hold in my hand right now the uh, Thin Black Book, which yes. of course was a, it was a partner item uh, beautifully oh. put together uh, by the, for the last record. Well, that, that what was done on purpose because we, one, we got tired of not being not being asked the questions in interviews that we wanted to be asked. You right. know, it's like because the journalist, as a journalist myself, I understand you're under deadline. You know, you got to get the story. Alternatively, if you're freelancing, you got to get the story so you can get the money. And uh, but it was just like it was it was too much. And yeah. you know, what is that great line? Oh Lord, please don't let me be misunderstood. You know that I, I very clearly wanted to to have something come out that left no excuses to, and we purposefully really limited, you know, uh, we talked to Mark Thompson, who used to be at, at Hydrahead. And he said, we've had, we've had, you know, really good luck with limited editions. And I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he goes, no, no, real limited editions, not fake. We just keep printing them up and hoping you'll buy them. Yeah, they, it's limited get- edition. It's only limited as much as the, you know, oh, we yeah. sell one, oh, right. <laughs> Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, you know, I did. It's like it's like how I used to eat, eat meat. And, you know, I've been eating nothing but fish since 2007. But when I used to, right, like the four years before that, I would say I'm going to eat meat as often as I think I could catch it in the wild. Ooh. Which is mm-hmm. about once a month, in actual fact. <laughs> right. a person working on their own is not going to be. I can't catch a squirrel, much less something more <laughs> sizable to eat. Right. So with, with, with this, I kind of decided that, that, okay, what percentage of people, super obsessive Oxbow people, w- would actually want, would want and benefit from this? And I figured on, I think whatever we did, we, I think we limited it to 500. And, and we also charged uh, uh, what it cost. You charged what it was. What it, just- yeah, yeah. So I, that, that right away, I mean, who's paying $50 for a book? Right away, it limited it limited, it limited the number of people who, who would be interested. Um, and I figured hardcore 500, that was plenty. Even though if the record sold 4,000, 6,000, you know, 500 was enough. And they could help the rest of the world understand the lyrics. I mean, the lyrics were still there with the, with the vinyl and the CD, if you cared to look. But, you know, if you're digital, it was still a catch-as-catch-can composition. Well, and it's, it's, it occurs to me that it's something that's it's kind of special for the for the people that care about that kind of thing. Yep. Like that, that's how I felt about it. I was like, wow, like, how am I not going to, that's great. They have yeah. like a book to go with this. And like, you know, of course you and I have known each other a long time and I've, and I've liked and uh, respected Oxbow for a, a very long time. Yeah. You know, I say both liked and respected because those are yeah, always. Yeah. yeah. Cause these, <laughs> these are different things. And also, yeah. the way I did it with the band, the band members, I also, you know, since everybody's always talking to me, it got to be kind of irksome. I said, you know, you guys have your pages. And I don't give a shit. But you can put anything you want on your pages, anything you want. I'm not going to edit it, you know. So this is your chance to, you know, to be understood in the way that you desire to be understood. So yeah, I was pretty happy with it. Um, on a small form fact, it, it reminded me of uh, <laughs> it's the remember that Zeppelin thing where um, uh, you know plants running around like being like a like a knight or something. Oh yeah, yeah. the song remains the same. Song remains the same. Thank you. I was I was a. Uh, Yep. As as the sounds of like thousands of people start screaming at their listening device right now. Yeah, again. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Jimmy, Jimmy Page on the mountain with the rainbow. Yeah, 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 exactly. Totally, if totally. You were, if you were high when you were watching that, that was like the height of everything, right? <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> but but it, it occurred to me that it was like, oh yeah, that like makes sense for Zeppelin, and it's sort of like, oh, this makes sense for Oxbow, and the fact that even that like not even it's not even that, hey man, some people won't get it. No, literally, some people won't get it. They won't yeah. be able to think. Like I thought that that was kind of like from the resident school almost of like, it, it makes someone feel like they're in on it, like yeah. they're a little in on in a certain way and, and, and i've seen people do similar-ish kind of things but not in that way and the level of care and attention to detail and stuff like this i mean it sounds like i'm selling right but like it's only going to increase in value well <laughs> we had the few copies apparently some had gotten lost in, in the mail uh, and then they yeah. turned up so we have put i think there are five copies at oxbow as a merch table page and, oh really and but you know these are copies that ordinarily we would keep just to have right because typically in the past i don't have i don't have oxbow stuff like i've always sold it right it's like i figure i mean you know it was like peter north where at one point i was talking to him the porn stuff and he was telling me just, i don't watch my own porn and I, and I remember at the time this is back when i was doing birth of tragedy magazine i remember at the time thinking how bizarre that he wouldn't watch his own own, own porn until you get older and you realize i did it already I, well, I, yeah. i'm gonna you know, <laughs> I know. right. So, uh, so typically I've always, I've always sold the stuff. Uh, um, and I'm doing the same thing this time, except I'm, I'm keeping one or two cause I really like the book and I don't know that we'll ever do anything like that again. So I want to keep one or two. So. I, yeah. I mean, like as, as far as things that sort of fully embody a, a band, a very creative band that like at a time period where, you know, you you guys weren't punching above your weight class. You know what I mean? It all seemed to hit like at the right time for that record. That like, you always were an ambitious band. There's always like, you know, the orchestral stuff, like yep. you know, bringing different, you know, um, like Bartok level compositions, stuff like that. Like one thing, I, even, you know, when I, when I first found out about you guys that I always appreciate, I was like, oh, they're just going for it. And that also was frequently misunderstood too. Cause I'm like, you know, some people it's like, what? <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, what, 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 you know, if, if somebody went on a level of critique, the critique would always be, what are they, what are they trying? And they misunderstood that we're not trying anything. We're yeah, doing it. It's <laughs> trying and it's doing. We're, we're doing it. And, you know, it came, this, that it really started to improve. Well, we never had careerist notions, right? I mean, yeah. Whipping Boy had careerist notions, and that kind of ruined my experience of Whipping Boy, in actual fact. And I don't think we were we were super well served by you know by I don't know we weren't super well served by genre music and we weren't super well served by where our heads were at. Whereas Oxbow, we just realized it's not you know it's not going to make us money. You know, <laughs> it's not gonna. It's, it's, yeah. it's um, in fact we lose money on every proposition. It's something that we do just to make ourselves happy. I guess we would, if we liked golfing, we would golf. I actually like golfing, but I just don't have the time to, to waste walking around with sticks. Well, well there's a <laughs> there, there's a band called Martha's Vineyard Fairies. It's uh, uh, Elisha Wiesner, who was actually the last person on the show before you were, and Bob Weston from Shellac, and uh, Chris Brokaw from uh, Cum and uh, Codeine, and, and they call like band stuff like when they you know hey they, we gotta like you know we're gonna fly out and do this or whatever they call it greens fees now we thought that was a great that was a great way to explain that kind of band stuff yeah yeah yeah, yeah hey, i mean, you know, i'm, I'm sure I, i'm that's you have you have fun doing the thing and like it fulfills you in your way you know yeah. like this yeah. you're green <laughs> yeah 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 
uh, so yeah, and, and what I was wrapping is all that is I feel like within Black Duke that you kind like the ambition and the overall presentation kind of came to a head and came, and came to a culmination of like, oh, that's like kind of unlocked a new level of things. Like when I think about like Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds or something, right? Like people think about like Epoch's time for him. Like, okay, here's where he was like fucking around with Grinder Band and like he had the Sleazy Vegas record, which I love, by the way. I love that record. And then like, uh, okay, he's like got like the weird kind of like sounds good on laptops, like claustrophobic uh, kind of stuff like that. It almost seems like you guys have like really figured out a way to articulate your vision. Not that it was like a, you know, unsuccessful before, but do it in a way that it's doesn't sacrifice an iota of the creativity, but it's well, almost easier to invite people along too. Well, you know, it's a, a friend of mine once played uh, with Chuck Berry, and, you know, because Chuck Berry was pulling the town, and, you know, he just happened ever yeah, from that. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> and so they get on stage and, you know, Chuck walks out and plays his guitar. And the guy's kind of like looking around and, and he says, uh, Chuck sees a confusion on his face and he's like, what? He goes, what are we going to play? And Chuck just looks at him and goes, Chuck Berry songs. What the fuck do you, what do you, what do you, what do you mean? What are we going to play? You know, Chuck Berry songs. So, I mean, at this point, you know, with Oxbow. what is happening here, buddy? <laughs> yeah. You know, we play Oxbow songs. Right, right. right. You know? And there's, you know, in the, develop, the developmental life of a human being, there, there comes a point if, you, if you're paying attention to yourself, there comes a point where I, I remember very distinctly when I perceived myself to, to be becoming, you know, <laughs> you know trying to, to be a, a certain type of man, you know, in my 20s. And then sort of toward the end of my 20s, I realized that, that I had suddenly, and without much planning on my part, gone from the guy who was becoming to just the guy who was being like, I no longer was trying to do anything. I just was who it is that I was. Yeah, yeah. And there was a quiet embrace of self. And I, I, typically that's usually really good. Uh, <laughs> you know, at least for the individual, generally it's really bad for everybody else around them. But, <laughs> in, <laughs> uh, but, but in this instance, um, you know, it, it worked out really well for me. Since we've talked last, you've kind of bared down and dug deeper even more with the writing and embrace this, this I don't know, subscription model, like the kind of like pseudo subscription patronage model, whatever. Uh, but you can't argue with the results. Like these are great pieces. And I think they're tailor made for the internet as it is right now, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Yep. In the way that, you know, there's an easy hook, you know, someone can be like, oh, I like Gang of Four too. Let me read this. And then like, it turns out, oh, this is a really great thing about Gang of Four. Oh, Steve Albini, endlessly quotable, can talk to him about literally anything. Well, here's like, you know, someone with a self-awareness of that, walking into that and, and like in coming up with something kind of cool that ends up being, you know, cannibalized for, uh, you know, ultimate classicrock.org or whatever, you know, like I, I, I get it. Uh, but it's something that it, it seems like this model is well suited to your particular talents as an individual did you have any trepidation about kind of going down this road or did it kind of just seem like this is just another avenue to to walk so, so you're talking about the publishing mm -hmm. yeah well you know I, I make my living as a journalist right so um and the very first piece that i ran on the Substack, um S. robinson substack.com right the very yeah. first piece was a piece. <laughs> Get the name. Had, yeah, the very first piece was a piece I had written for Ozzy, 
and they were like, yeah, you know, not, yeah, no. <laughs> and I go, it's a great, it's a great, it's a great piece. You guys asked me to produce stuff that was sticky, catchy, that um, people would, he said, yeah, but this is a little bit too much. And so I go, uh, okay, what do you suggest? They go, do whatever you want with it, publish it if you want. And so I kept thinking, well, maybe, maybe I should try to get somebody else to publish it. I go, why do that? Why? I actually, you know, usually I'm trying to semi trying to be egoless about this, you know, and have, you know, um, it's okay. Let the editor do what the editor does to it. But with this piece, I don't want any editing done. And it was about a, a rape that I witnessed when I was like 10 or 11 years old. And um, what is it you need? Is it stuck? Uh, the wife is getting her, her COVID shot and that shit is, takes forever. So we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're hang, hanging out with baby until then. So I decided to publish it. Uh, and then some, I tried WordPress and it was like, I don't have a lot of time between my actual official work meetings. And so somebody said, the Substack is pretty easy. Of course, Substack has now got caught up in some sort of kerfuffle with, uh, you know, I, you know what? I can't be running pillar to post here. Well, I, I have no control over what they do with their business model. It was just super easy and convenient to get set up on. And, uh, and they, unlike many other venues, they, they, they paid me uh, on time. So, um, <laughs> Something but, to be said. <laughs> but they, but there, there are certain, my, my next novel, uh, the first one was called The Long Slow Screw. My next novel is marginally about love and sex. So mm. what I decided to do is, like I said, I need an outlet for this stuff that's usually too harsh to put on Ozzy or any other, or that I, I just feel is too precious to let anybody who's got half the skill that I have tinker with it. So I figured this, the Substack, is a great place to publish the stuff, and um, and I'm not cannibalizing stuff that I'm going to use later. Like, you know, the, the next book is called Love, Question Mark, Love, Exclamation Point, and it's about, the you know, it's about West Coast porn, if you wanted to give it, um, you know, San Fernando Valley. It's a love story set in, in the porn industry. Right. And um, so I'm not telling, you know, there are lots of stories that, you know, that you could tell if, I mean, I haven't worked in Hustler for years and, you know, there's stories that could be told in the Substack, but I'm keeping it to, you know, what I wish somebody at the New York Times would have said, specifically like the most recent one about guns. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. I'm sick of all these people with actual opinions. Like if you get to the end of that gun piece, you don't know quite really where I stand on guns, <laughs> you know, and that's okay. It's a meditation on guns, right? A very platonic one. Um, yeah. Well, there's so much certainty in the uh, writing world so often, and so yeah. much is unearned and and not yeah. interesting. And, if, yeah. and I don't know, like I, I I found it somewhat refreshing, you know, not not the least of which is, you know, the subject matter can be esoteric and kind of all over the place. Like you know, this one's well, about so, I mean, Bill you're, Clinton, Carl Rove. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Next. Yeah. Oh, again, poetry. Great. <laughs> well, you know, you said you mentioned something that was interesting. So you asked me if I had any trepidation over it. And the reality of it is I did initially, but then I realized that I'm done. Like, I'm dead. Like, I did. That you can't – when somebody's dead, there's nothing to – like, the Internet has made – like, for a long – many years, I worked corporate jobs, and nobody had any idea about my outside life. They'd say, what do you do this weekend, Eugene? And I'd say, well, you know, I, I garden, you know, or – well, yeah. I did, you know, now, um, you know, I mean, and to Ozzy's credit, you know, in this Google age where you know everything about me 
The only thing that, that my boss asked me before they hired me at Ozzy is, have you, is there anything that you've done that will embarrass me? <laughs> and I, and I said, anything I've done that could embarrass you is already on the internet. He goes, that's not what I'm talking about. I go, well, what are you talking about? He said, have you been arrested? And I go, yes. He go, what were you arrested for? I go, false impersonation and false information to a police officer. He goes, what? <laughs> I go, I told the cops I was Abraham Lincoln. He goes, what? what? <laughs> Apparently they arrest you for that. And he goes, no, no, no. I, I mean, you know, with all the fighting and stuff, have you ever been arrested for assault? Or I go, no, not at all. And he was like, okay. Uh, brave soul hired me anyway. You know, in this day and age, I am virtually unemployable just by virtue of the fact that I've been in a band called Oxbow. You realize when I was at EQ Magazine, they found a trailer for Music for Adults, one of the early trailers. And as an editor-in-chief of EQ Magazine, before I even started the job, there was talk about firing me on the basis of that two-minute clip that's still up on, on YouTube, uh, Music for Adults. Wow. And they, they had to talk about it. And finally, the CEO says, she says, well, hold on. This is a music magazine, right? At least he's in a working band. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so they, they called me and said, well, we're actually not going to fire you. It didn't even dawn on me that that was in their, in their mind. <laughs> no, that was on the table. Yeah. The most stunning thing is this was the same company that had hired a guy who had a swastika tattoo on his fucking forehead. Okay. I mean, the guy worked in tech, so he wasn't on the front desk, but, you know, uh, and he used to wear a hat over it. And yeah, then yeah. one day in the summer, he goes, it's too hot. I don't, feel like, I don't feel like wearing the hat. I don't feel like wearing it. And then they asked him, hey, maybe they asked him if he would wear the hat to cover the swastika. No, I don't want it. And then they, then they finally fired him. This is the same company that wanted to fire me because that two-minute <laughs> Oxbow clip scared them. I mean, man, so I'm dead already. I'm dead. You know, it takes the kind of person that would say, I want to put money in Eugene's pocket. They're not many at this point, and it's foolish. I'm an award-winning journalist. But, you know, people like, uh, yeah, they, you know, I don't know, whatever. I'm not, I don't want to complain. I'm just noting. Uh, absolutely. Well, and, and you bring up an interesting point with that, too, because the whole idea of, of people, you know, not having their, like, <laughs> Everyone comes with their own lived experience, right? And I feel like this happens with politics too. They're like, oh no, if somebody's like lived, then oh, they're completely ineligible for, yeah. for that or the other thing. And, and it just occurs to me like how insane that is and how much it's like, yeah, you may think that's what you want, but what you get is like Pete Buttigieg. It's like, yeah, yeah that, it doesn't really offend anyone. I guess yeah. he's all right. He's like, you know, white boy, like third generation Xerox Obama knockoff. Fine. If that's your, that's your deal. Good for you, man. But like, yeah, yeah I, you, I mentioned this before. that's like your, your be all end all for what politics should be. Cause it sure isn't for me. Well, listen, I, I, Diane Middlebrook, uh, mm -hmm. famous poet, writer, professor who's married to Carl Gerasi, who did the Gerasi foundation. And she actually put me up for a Guggenheim two or three times. Uh, and oh, sure. at, one, at one point, I met her I was, when I was a furniture mover, and she decided she wanted to have a, a cross-class experience. She was going to ride along in the moving van with the movers, and then after about five minutes in the moving van, she turns and goes, wait a minute, you, you guys are not really movers, because we were talking about Nietzsche and some other stuff. She said, no, we're students. And she goes, oh, yeah. my God. And then she got turned on to the whole birth of tragedy thing. And she yeah. said, you know, you have to come to my poetry and poetics class. So I said, great. 
Um, Lydia Lunch and I had worked on a story for Jim Kennedy's magazine called Thrill Killers. And we decided to do this piece called The Baby Doll Murders, which mm-hmm. I then later cannibalized for um, Serenading Red for the song Baby Doll. And it was based on a dream that I had had. And so Lydia and I had worked on this piece together. And I came in and I, I said exactly what I just said now. It was based on the dream. Lydia Lunch and I had worked on it, and this was my contribution to it. It was supposed to be a two-part piece in a magazine called Thrill Killers. And I, I read the piece that was about a rape in the woods, right, in which the, the, the rapist actually uh, ended up um, being raped by the devil, right? So he attacks somebody. He's... he's Seduced in um, by somebody who, who then it turns out he either is or is not raping, who then changes into the body of a young boy, and then changes into the body of, of Satan, and then the piece ends inconclusively. Wow. Right? It's a heavy piece. It was based, heavy. On, a, it was based on a dream or a magazine called Thrill Kills. After a couple of days goes by, I get a call, I, uh, I get a call from Diane. She goes, can I, you come in? I just talk to you. I was, yeah, sure. And she was like, all of my graduate students are rebelling. They want you, you to publicly repudiate you. They want you to apologize. They want you to, and I go, for what? What, what, what is the problem? Well, that piece you wrote, and I, and I said, you know and I know. If I was a five foot four white cat with glasses, that this would have completely Wouldn't been be- understood as what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six foot one you know, 225 pound black cat with, with tattoos and muscles, you know, you guys, the whole 10 minute preamble about where this piece came from and how it came to existence, it just, it just it didn't, it didn't compute for you. And, yeah. and the feeling that you felt of being upset, which is exactly how you're supposed to feel at the conclusion of that, you personalized and thought that I was telling some kind of a true story. So it's, um, you know, you have to realize the form and function in the body that you're walking around in. And yeah. so at this point, trepidation, you know, I, I, had, I had a moment of trepidation, but like I said, you know, I'm, 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 I'm dead and unable to escape. You know, I, I can't escape uh, uh, people's uncomfortability. And, and so I decided to not be bothered by it. Well, I, I think it opens up some a lot of possibility because of that, right? Like, because oh. there, there, there's... Uh, you know, there's something to be said in, especially in this era of just somehow both the search for and abject disdain for authenticity. Like, yeah. no, no, that kind of authenticity. That's not what I meant. Yeah. Yeah, there's some <laughs> uh, people. I mean, there are people. You, you know, you want the real fake or the fake fake. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's all <laughs> sort of you know, it's all you know, one generation removed. But the reality of it is, it's like you know, I. I've never told a lie ever in presentation, you know, so um, maybe that's what they were responding to. I don't know. But like I said, I mean, outside of me very specifically preserving some pieces on the Substack for for the book, like I don't want you to be reading the novel later and go, ah, yeah, he already told me. Ah, yeah, he already that. So I don't want to do that. So I'm staying away from anything generally have fleshy or sexy that I might probably or have already used in, a, in the second novel so. well and i like that it allows you to at least uh, at least give it a feel of it being extemporaneous yeah. and being 
times too, because there are things that you you do that are that aren't topical. Like you know, Gang of Four is suddenly back on everyone's lips, right? Oh and my god! They have all, you, have one of seen, the best. Of all. Have you seen the box set? I, I have, and I think I need to buy the box oh set. My, I haven't seen it right here. Oh my god! The packaging is just like it's yeah. really fantastic. I, I I did not expect that at all. It's no. just it's really phenomenal. I'm glad you participated. And I might have a uh, universal announcement pretty soon, cross fingers, about Gang of Four as well. But uh, I thought your piece of it was awesome because it, it sort of, like, I've had people that, you know, oh, I've heard them. Oh, I've heard of them. And, like, you know, I heard a song. or You know, like, I know, um, uh, you know, like, a little about them. I know they're influential. But none of the pieces or anything I've ever read about them ever kind of got, got across why they were important. And I loved your piece, not the least of which is just because I was like, oh, you know, Eugene's a good writer. I'm sure this is worthwhile. I thought you got across why it's important. Yep. Like yep. Why they're important band. And I think that that's, well, first of all, nobody gives a damn enough to try these. So I guess yep. we can start with that. But like, uh, <laughs> but I, I think that that's kind of like, that's a rare echelon of, uh, of writing that you just don't see that much of. And, and I thought it was just a really cool aside from all the other stuff right yeah. of just of like man i hope those guys saw this and like loved it because well they had to they 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 had to because um that was their press re- that was their press release for this box set so not only did they have to approve it <laughs> yeah well they had to approve it because they paid before it so yeah this yeah was, <laughs> this was work for hire so i ha- actually had to go back to them and say Hey, I'd like to run it in my newsletter. Do you give a shit? And they were like, "Go do what you got to do." So that was cool. Yeah. You know, I, I did what I had to do. Um, and, and at first, like, I didn't know what I was. I, I didn't know whether it was. You know, I did that bit on Screaming Jay Hawkins for Farrell, the, the intro to that book. And so I thought at first, when they uh, when beggars had contacted me, that it was for the book. And they said, "No, no, it's not for the book." Then I go, "It's a box set." I go, "Oh my god!" So it's going to be part of the box set. And then I figured out that they had already printed the box set, so it wasn't for the box set. I said, what's it for? After I finished it, and they said, no, it's just for the press release. I was like, ah, well, you know, screw it. It worked. You know, I got invited to the party. I'm on the totem pole. I don't give a shit. So. What, what, what it reminded me of, and, and bear with me here, is sort of like there was, there was an era of like, you know, 60s sort of records that came out that like the back cover, instead of being like, oh, here's another cool picture, and like, yeah. you get like an essay yeah. of why yeah. it's an important. And like I always thought that was kind of cool. Like, I, and and like, it was, like when I first saw that, I was like, "Oh, that's that's trippy." They, you know, they, and like then I thought about like the fact, like, well, media was totally different, right? People like had different ways of finding out about stuff. So if you're sitting there like looking at a record store, and you're like, "Oh, what's this?" Oh, okay, let's read this little essay. Okay, cool. And then yeah, you know, or, or like ja- like jazz records, you know, I mean, yeah. which was which was my kind of antecedent, where it's like you know, jazz, jazz unless you read downbeat, wasn't really covered. Screw it, we're gonna put it on the record. Why? Because people would go to stores and like actually look at records and flip it over and read, oh, Jao Gibraltar, well, okay, and then you discover something about Bossa Nova, or you know, yeah, like, oh, yeah, this record like inspired a couple genres, and like, you know, yeah. here's something, yeah. and she, hey, this record inspired a couple genres, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, 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 right. So, so yeah, um, so yeah, the Gang of Four thing was cool, the Steve Albini thing was especially cool, and like I said in the, in the piece. You know, these are questions that I, you know, I mean, at this point now, people's personas are pretty hard, hard, hard baked into the, into, in, into, <laughs> I got a hard baked into the machinery. 
So, so it's hard to get through that, and nobody's going to think to do that, which is why one of, the same thing that was in our head about putting out the thin black book. It's like we're tired of people kind of whiffing it, you know, foul ball, foul ball, foul ball, foul ball. It's like, all right, let us do the kind of pieces that we wish that you all would do. And uh, that's the whole thing that the five easy pieces portion of the newsletter that, you know, I've got some surprises coming up to people who I want to talk to. And I don't want to talk to them about it, the same stuff that everybody's talking to them about. And some people, uh, I've asked some people, and I can see that makes them feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and there's some people who I'm only asking during the shutdown through email, because I know they'll be just as candid in email as they were in person. There's some people who you can only talk to face to face because yeah. you can you can you can you can muscle them into answering the question, you know, just through sheer sheer power of presence. Where there's not you're not always going to be able to do it in email. You know, people will distract, they'll avoid, they'll kind of weasel out. I mean, they it's have to. It's a, like there isn't someone like you know looking like at you being like I would like an answer to this now. <laughs> also, uh, like you, a prime a prime example, and I don't mean this in any nefarious way, and I haven't, you know, I'm not considering him for an upcoming you know, five easy pieces, but you can imagine that, say, uh, somebody like Jello Biafra has been Jello Biafra since like 1978, right? So Basically, you know, <laughs> if, email, if I email him five questions, he's just going to go off into Jello Biafra land. And that's, that's not what I want, you know? I want when, you know, you sit down at a table with some people who don't give a shit about the dead Kennedys, who don't know about the Jello Biafra, and are just talking about stuff, not like, I read in the newspaper. No, 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 I'm not talking about stuff you read, you know? Right. I'm talking I think about, about Lindsey Graham, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, oh, oh, no. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I don't want to give you a platform to preach via via a newsletter. That's not the. Yeah. That's not. I actually want, you know, something semi-serious. So. Well, and so that occurs, and as someone that, of course, you know, if, in, in my way, that's the kind of thing I try to do with this show, right? Like, it's first of all, it isn't just a strict question-answer kind of show, yeah. and the kind of things that I go for, like, are way different. And one of the reasons why is literally. I started this show because, like, I'm doing the kind of show that I wanted to hear and couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that's and that's adorable, by the way. And, like, I will always wave to a cute baby. Hello, hello. Uh, uh, but it's something where it, it surprises me how many people try to go careerist and safe, and they end up, like, doing something that's, like, you're just doing something like everyone else is. Like, why, why bother? If you're getting the same – if somebody's on, like, a PR cycle – Yep. And are going around like doing the circuit and doing all the shows, and they tell me the same thing as like everyone else. And look, look, I'm not interested in that. I don't care about that. You know, when I, I was a younger man, uh, like in the in the 80s, I remember like at one point I had a, a particularly good run, and I had like um, five girlfriends at once. And um, some a friend of mine called me on it, and he goes, "You're I was, so I got in three, and that was enough. Let me tell you." Yeah, he was like, "No, you called me on it." He's like, "You're so full of shit. You just..." And I go, "No, no, no. You gotta understand that the, 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 the what makes this difficult is if you actually aspire to not be full of shit, right? So, in other words, you're not repeating the same stories. You're not lying to people about your involvement with other people. You're actually, you know, making, you know, you're at, looking in the person's eyes and having a real experience. Yeah, man. Five times, <laughs> right? Which, which is like, it's like the flying Walendas. 
is it's like a, a, you know <laughs> seriously i mean it was like uh, you know you had to I mental mean, yeah that it, be real it's, it's easy to do that and be full of shit it's not easy to do it and not be full of shit and that and ultimately the reason why you stop doing something like that is because it's exhausting you know yeah. the, the, the reality of it though is the way i apply myself to and i put the word in quotes mute career music or literary or writing the, and, the or, idea yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> is to is to if we take this computer medium away right now and you were to walk in here and sit down the conversation would not be markedly different than what we're doing right now i will personally vouch for that yeah yeah we've, we've sat down at lunch and it was like pretty close to this right I mean, yeah like, right that's right in mountain view right off of castro that's right <laughs> and I think that that's, I mean, that's wild too, because like I said, again, I, 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 I mean, there are plenty of people in this music who you get, they, they do this. We used to have this great idea, Ballinger and I, the guitar player for Whipping Boy, had this great idea of like at some point in the future, you're going to be able to create a hologram of you on you so that imagine you're playing on stage and then you step out of your hologram and your hologram is there. And we're like, oh, that would be so mind blowing. Of course, now, 20, 30 years later, that's something that, 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 that you can do, right? So, um, and they have like the Tupac hologram, like headline Coachella or some, something like right. that. So, Which, so, on an article or straight reporting, I can't tell. Well, yes, yeah. So many of these people who, who are in music that we care about and like have fundamentally done this. They step, they've stepped out of themselves and you're just interviewing the hologram. You're not interviewing yeah. the real person. And, and journalists make it possible for that to happen. I mean, yeah. nobody's asked half the people who I like in music a different question the last 10 years, you know? Um, the last 10 years. And so, I mean, when, when I'm interviewed, you know, I'm trying not to repeat what I've said in other interviews. I'm actually trying Absolutely. to, you, you know, to actually have it be a unique and non-bullshitty, very real experience, you know? Well, and it's also, and, and, and there's not to have this be just like, you know, Eugene Conan critique journalism but i feel like people are almost like it causes them physical pain to do background research sometimes where it's ah, like, yeah yeah i'll shut those people down fast yeah, like, yeah. Like, so <laughs> I, I don't know too much about you what are you doing that's cool it's yeah. like you don't know too much about me then why have you contacted me about this interview <laughs> how about i just tell the i just tell the world how cool you are and then yeah. you can like, feel proud and we can like we can all save a bunch of time and effort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're cool because you don't know who I am, and I'm a dummy for wasting my time here. So good luck to you. Yeah. <laughs> well, and yeah, it, so it, it's wild to me that, yeah, and, and again, like, it, and you know, whatever. I, I, I the, the critique of other outlets and other formats, you know, good on you. Run your race. Yep. I don't. Yeah, do you know, it, listen, do that listen, will. You know, you, I know you, what yeah. I like, and I don't like when it's like, Oh, good. It's the exact same show that I can hear like, you know, three other times or the exact yep. same article I can read three other places. I don't, I like, you think I have time for that? I'm a busy goddamn man. But, you know, there, there are a few people out there who actually do do the real work and, uh, and, and they've ended up in interesting places, you know, um, not always the places you, you'd expect, but I, I'm always pleased to read them when, when, uh, when they're writing because they're not full of shit. So. so what, so let's pivot a little bit to, as as a lyrical dude himself uh and someone that kind of comes from the world of like you know the, the the bizarre slice of life sometimes like you know the hubert selby jr like ballard kind of world 
like how do you how do you organize it like is this something where do, do you keep notes and things along those lines do you uh, is it all just in your head and it comes out when it comes out um well what i'm trying to do and, and i i know we had, had that whole thing before about not trying but doing so maybe yeah. let me let me change how I, I i frame that what i'm doing and and now now that uh, let's do this this is going to be okay we're going to change the sound now we're going to oh it's time get real i'm with eugene robinson right now baby <laughs> oh that's not good okay uh all right, all right. What, what i'm doing is yeah um insofar as possible trying to document the times of my life without being mawkish or maudlin which we all have tendencies to do if we're stars of our own drama you know um I mean, at some point, I imagine, you know, the guys in the Rolling Stones felt the lyrical impact of a song like I can't get no satisfaction very seriously and very earnestly. And it was um, if somebody pulled up next to you in a bar stool and were, man, I can't, I can't get laid. You, you might feel for them for a certain period of time, but it's a, it's a, it's a hysteria, you know? I mean, mar modern rock music is, is born of, of hysteria, which is interesting because, because, in other words, it's it's pre pre disaster, or, or or concurrent to a disaster. Whereas I I view most American blues, which is where rock and roll came from, as being post disaster. Oh, it's <laughs> you know, so it, it tends to be it tends to be a lot less you know hysterical and a lot lot you know lot 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 more downbeat and 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 consequently over the course of time a lot less popular than rock and roll. I mean, you know, BB King made a lot of money. B.B. King didn't have his own jet, as far as I know. <laughs> no. So um, so I, I think I think what I'm trying to do is from, you know, and much more earnestly with Oxbow than I ever did in Whipping Boy is from Fuckfest to Love's Holiday, which is a new record. Uh, I'm documenting very specifically like I don't keep a diary, but that's the closest I'm, I'm, I'm coming. And 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 I, I the process is what I'm trying to tell very real stories in, in a way that makes it hard for um, uh, in, in an artful way that will get you to listen in a way that if I was just complaining about, I can't get no, you would just stop listening. Right. Um, and, and, and then also I, at one point, somebody who I'd written a song about, I tried to uh, say, you know, I wrote a song about you because I thought, you know, I thought they might like that or be interested in it. And they were absolutely had zero level of interest in it. And what that did is it actually freed me up from thinking that I needed to involve the object of the literary endeavor in the endeavor. Right. So, um, you know, if you gave a shit, you would probably have picked up on it. If you don't give a shit, that's fine. So, you know, the songs were inspired by real people, but I'm not, you know, I just can't, I can't, on paper, I can't take outside of sympathy for the devil. It's very hard to take the Rolling Stones seriously, you know. Um, and I mean, they're they they're a great band, great. Band. I love them, but I agree. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, uh, lyrically, I I'm always torn between feeling like they're putting me on, like it's some kind of weird shtick where they put me on, you know, the girl with faraway eyes, and you know, he's yeah, that's Mick for you, man. Like Mick yeah. is like, and I mean no disrespect when I say this, but Mick is a goddamn businessman. Yeah, so at this point. Yeah, well, and at this point, always. I mean, and I don't, you know, whatever. There's that, that that side of like, it's like, okay, well, how much of this is like, 
hey, this is cool. And how much of like, I bet people would like this, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and good on them. It obviously, yeah. it works out for me. Goddamn. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, it works out. But I mean, I again, I wanted I wanted there to be a one to one. Um, I, I don't know. I, I wanted the songs to to matter to me in in a, in a way that was significant enough so that when I hear it, I don't cringe. <laughs> and I guarantee you, if I kept the journal, I would cringe. Um, you know, I, I sometimes you know, I have shuffle here in the house and the iPod that's permanently on. And, uh, you know, sometimes a whipping voice song will come on and I'll kind of cringe. But, you know, you can excuse it. This is something that you express when you're 18 you know? and 19. So it's very different. Right. It's sort of like, yeah, it's, it's like maybe when you're in, in your 50s, less so. Who knows? You know, like, but it's some and some people can pull it up. You know, I got to say, you're talking about like, you know, satisfaction, right? The, when the only song, there's so many songs like that. And one of the only ones I can think of this sort of like built on that to me was No Pussy Blues by Grinder Man, mm-hmm. where I'm like, oh, that's like, that's like I can't get no satisfaction thing. But it's just like, it's laying it bare and it's self-aware, yep. but like not paralytically self-aware. Yeah. Yeah. And, that's and, a, yeah. That's, I, I, yeah. I, that I had, it was, um, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge fan and the, one of the heights of my career was actually being able to perform with him at uh, the London jazz festival. So, uh, but I just, I, I thought that that was a little, uh, a little too cute by half, but whatever, you know? Well, and so that, and that's interesting because for me, again, huge fan. I agree. But like also like there is sort of hologram Nick Cave, like doing hologram Nick Cave stuff to a certain degree. Because this is a motherfucker that he like puts his suit and tie on and goes in the other room to the piano to go like write music every day. Yeah. Good on him. I, I, you know, I find something beautiful about that work ethic and that's fantastic. But it's like, I mean, he's also got some Mick Jagger in him. He knows what people want to hear too. <laughs> <laughs> but but I don't think it's that. I think it's more that um, you, there are a couple of things. There are a couple of things happening, right? And one of the things, and I'm always on guard against this, and that's that the compulsion once you're standing behind a, a microphone to do something that, and comedians have this really bad. They, they in their origin stories, they always talk about the moment where they were standing on stage and they got their first laugh, and they were like, "I want more of that," and and. I, I actually am doing the exact opposite thing. I think you should resist the temptation when you stand in, behind a microphone to do something that's going to uh, uh, appeal to use, use, general use. You know, I got to do something that appeals to me um, and because that's what I want. Those are the fellow travelers that I want, people who kind of go, oh, shit, him too? I thought it was only me. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't need you to, you know, to pander to me. I don't need the, the wink and the nod. Get it, hey buddy, you, you like this? Hey, I'll do. You know, don't, don't, don't do this to me. Don't, you know, really don't. It's, it's, it's a waste of both of our times. And, um, you know, well, I, you- there's a guy I was talking about last night. This guy, he's a professor a philosophy professor of Spinoza up in Toronto, whose name is Mike Rosenthal. And I remember he was the first California guy that I was really friends with. And he you know, had this long kind of rabbinical beard and we'd get into these conversations with people. And, you know, I was kind of a rat-a-tat New York guy. And he would be, uh, you know, there would be these great long dead spaces in the conversation with him where he'd just be kind of looking at you, stroking mm-hmm. his beard, looking at you, Without affect, it wasn't like he was nervous or he was just thinking. Yeah. And and the process and thinking is not and 
I, I understood that when I, I kind of backed off and tonally in terms of, I, I, I just decided to kind of sit back and say, this is how it's happening now. This is the pace at which it's happening and we are creating here. And it's very different than, than dealing with people who are advancing, advancing shtick, right? Or waiting for their turn to speak even. Like where it's like, hey, you're not really listening. You're just kind of, okay, now, 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 go. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I'm equally aware of. And, and it's it's always notable in the show, especially of like, as like so, you know, someone such as yourself, you got a lot to say. You're, you're very good at speaking and articulating your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Some people it's like, oh, you're just, you're just railroading through this. Okay. Yeah, so right. let, let me know. You know. I'll raise my hand, I guess, when I can jump in here. Well, I'll tell you, I, I had an interesting conversation with Mark Thompson, who used to run Hydra Head, and it was right after Danzig got knocked out on video backstage in Arizona by uh, Danny Mariano from uh, oh, yeah. uh, in Northside 40. And uh, Mark from- called me and he said, hey, um, you, uh, you know, that- my, my friend Tom Reardon played in that band, by the way. Oh. I that but no 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 i didn't know that but you know I forgot that. we stayed with him on tour and like it just came up in casual conversation i was like and he's like oh yeah that was my band i'm like i forgot that how in world how did i forget that like oh my god you know yeah but yeah, yeah. no no but he, he mark said you know eugene would that fuck up your whole shtick you know if you were to get knocked i go i would certainly hope not i i mean i i'm not i'm not trying to sell myself as the ultimate badass to end all badasses in fact yeah. my whole fight book is about having me having my ass handed to me you know um i i think my mother said it best in in decibel magazine where she did a metal mother's column where the guy you know <laughs> he, he was like having this you know cognitive dissonance with like you know how he understood who it is that i was versus hearing it from my mom. And then so he just, at the end of the interview, he just couldn't take it. He goes, have you seen him play? And she goes, oh yeah, you know, it was great. I, you know, I love to see him play. And he goes, well, yeah, okay. She goes, yo, he's just a wonderful young guy. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, but, you know, he's got a reputation as kind of a fearsome dude. And my mother just kind of paused and goes, well, you know, he's probably, it's probably not a good idea to try to do something negative to him, but, uh, you know, he's very loving with his family. <laughs> that was, uh, that was like, you know, I, I, I really appreciated how she handled that and how she turned it. And it's like, I'm not, I'm not the ultimate badass, but yeah, I'm just the person who probably, you know, would it be nice to do something negative to. Well, and I haven't read I haven't read that fight book in years, uh, but, but I liked it quite a bit. In, because like I think in the hands of a lesser artist, frankly, mm-hmm. like that would have been a very different, much more obnoxious book. Like I think I think of like that uh the fucking uh, art of the game or whatever, that pickup artist thing that oh, came out. Jesus Christ, you know? yeah. Yeah, where I was like, oh my yeah. god. Yeah. And then have to yeah. like it like, should be like, said though, that guy sold a million copies of that yeah. book. He's just never <laughs> have to again, but uh we don't have to get into that. So good good for that guy. But yeah, uh good for that but, guy. <laughs> but I feel like you know, like one of the lessons to take away was like, hey, you know, first of all, like, like you know, all plans go out the window the second you know first punch lands, and and like things basically just like not glorifying, just being yeah. like, here's here's like a forensic self aware detail of what this is, yep. and it ain't what you think it is. So it, you know, right. this is not like what it looks like in Rocky, great movie, but it's right. not what it looks like in Rocky, and, and and I thought that was so cool. I was like, wow, which is which is why I put that chapter in with the I killed a man. Cause it's like you know, it's not fun and games, man. Yeah. This guy, this guy's got to sit in court across from this cat's nine-year-old daughter. So real, yeah. and it, 
And I think people get lost in the fantasy about a lot of things, and especially with the identity thing of like, yeah, I'm a tough guy. Oh, I'm a tough guy. I do yeah, tough well, guy such, You know, the uh, one thing that continually bugs me about any kind of movies where there's any kind of action or fight scene, it's like, uh, you know, anybody, if you <laughs> jump up right now, and if, if you care to do so for 30 seconds, just set your watch for 30 seconds, swing your arms as wildly as possible. And at the end of 30 seconds, you let me know if you're capable of deal, you know, delivering a quip <laughs> or, a, or, a, or a line without sounding like, <laughs> yippee, yippee, kaya, ya, ya, fucker. Yeah, do like a minute of high intensity interval training and then yeah. try to like, yeah. fight or gonna fly, buddy. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's not happening, so. <laughs> well, I, and, and the reason why I was, and originally this, this means we're asking, like, how do you, how do you how do you collect the lyrics and part of that's a process right so so is it something where when it's time to like write lyrics for the thing like do you have it mapped out in your head ahead of time is it more kind of like all right let's you know take a little bit of uh, the paprika over here and a little sea salt mm, Nah, i mean they're all medit again meditations on on personal development you know so it's like if you want to siddhartha maybe it's like the best corollary you know so there were things happening but it's it's never it's never coincident because it takes a long time to put out the record so by the time a record like an evil heat had come out that stuff had already happened <laughs> you know but it was a, it was a way for me to document the stuff that happened and you know the record takes the time that the record takes so and that's typically you know depending on yeah, I mean, you know, Thin Black Duke, between Thin Black Duke and Narcotic Story, those things happened well before, but there are things that happened, right? I mean, you know, heavy things <laughs> that happened that, you know, at some point somebody said to me, Eugene, you really should write a memoir. And I was like, yeah, you know, I can't do that. <laughs> I can do something else, though. I can deliver, you know, a lyrical roadmap through through stuff that if you have the eyes to see and the ears to hear, you might be able to figure out that maybe there's something more to this than fiction. I mean, I think I, I, I might have said this last time you were on, but just in, in Long Slow Screw, like, which I liked quite a bit, you know, you, there's just like a phrase where you like, you know, you know, something or other mediocre misery. And I was like, God damn, that's good. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. Like, I, I like, I like, I sat with that for a while. Like, I actually like, it was at the end of a chapter or something, right? So I like, mm -hmm. but, damn, yeah. mediocre misery. So much of life is mediocre motherfucking misery. Yeah. And like, it just, it's the thought, the thoughtfulness of it and, and knowing full well that it's not, you know, it's not something that comes out lightly. Yeah. But yep. th th there's a lot of like phrases like that and a lot of things like that. And it's, you know, yeah, and I think there's there's like, oh, it's just some dumb rock and roll guy, whatever, you know, this, that, oh, this dude wrote a book about fighting. How, like, literate can this be? And, you know, that's dumb. But then there's also the other end, right? The Hemingway worship of, like, yeah. oh, well, if you're a man of the fists, you're a man of the words, which is, yeah. like, get the entire fuck out of here with that also. Well, well, the thing that I always liked, I mean, one of my favorite reviews was Diamanda Gallas had said, you know, she goes, I thought you were just, if she's said not very complimentary things about my voice, but she said about the writing, she goes, I thought you were just one of these dumb rock guys who could, was going to write a book. Instead, you know, 
you're actually a real writer. Yeah. Who also happens to be a dumb rock guy. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'll tell, I'll take that. I'll take that. You know. Be a man, what are you going to say? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, I, I laughed and took it, you know, it was funny. So. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a terrible lifetime to be on the radar, let alone when it's like a nice, like, you know, all right. Well, you know, there are lots of lots of guys out there who in bands have written books and, uh, you know, I, I don't I don't know that I've read any of them. So, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I mean, um, if you're if you if you if you've come to my notice and it's significant because you, you make music, I think I'd focus on that. And if the book is actually, you know, there's a friend of mine, Adam Smyre, who's written a book called Knucklehead, which is phenomenal. And Adam plays bass, you know, but I don't know him as a bass player. And at this point now, what he's done in his book, uh, Knucklehead, was just head and shoulders. You know, Philip, yeah. Philip, Philip Rothian. But, uh, you know, he's not a uh, he's not a Jewish guy from New York. He's a you know black guy from New York. But Knucklehead's a great book. So. Well, and so there are people like, like the Elvis Costello book I liked quite a bit, if nothing else, because it played with the form a mm-hmm. lot. And it's very clear, like, this is a very intelligent guy. And as much as, like, you know, like, there's a whole, like, wide, sw- like, in the way he, like, shifts viewpoints and things like that. And there's a whole wide swath. I'm like, you couldn't pay me to listen to that music. But I enjoyed yeah. reading thoughts on it and kind of interjecting it with this second person narrative. You know, now there's lyrics, now it's third person narrative. Like, I thought that was cool because it played with the form. The John Fine book from a bitch magnet his uh um, yeah, yeah, yeah that one was good too that one kind of pushed things forward a little bit and like i like the idea of him kind of like almost doing like a please kill me kind of deal like bringing okay. up but you know what man it's, it's kind of slim pickings like really yeah. when it comes down to it <laughs> and I, I i don't i like the form and i'm rooting for it just like how i'm rooting for other people's podcasts i'm rooting for your podcast to be good yeah. yep what am I going to say here? But uh, yeah. Well, that's like Albini said something in the interview that I liked. He goes, nobody deserves your attention. You know, you, you parcel it out as you like and, you know, for things that you find to be significant. So I, I can like that you've done something. And I have a friend and it took me years to figure out why she was so angry with me. And I, I finally figured out it was because she's written a couple of books and she gave me the books as gifts. Right. And I, I didn't realize that what was supposed to happen then is I was supposed to read the book and then, te- and then tell her what I thought of the book. And pretty much that it was a great book. Well, it takes me, you know, if I'm, if I, it takes me a long time to get with stuff and I'm, if I'm writing nonfiction, I don't, I, I only like to read fiction. And if I'm writing fiction, I don't like to read nonfiction. So it's not, you know, I just never got around to it, which I think, I think she had done the math on that and said he either read it and didn't like it in which case, fuck him, yeah. or or he didn't read it, and in which case, fuck him. So in, that, in both cases, I came it came out to fuck Eugene. So <laughs> she already ran the fight math and the numbers. Yeah, well, and but then I have some people who gave me the books, and they were like, "Cool, I guess he'll read it whenever." And then uh, you know, cool, that's cool. I can't remember if we talked about this before, so uh, pardon me if we did, but the, the thing with Dukowski that, that you were putting together that brief moment in time for uh, blackface. Like, mm-hmm. can, can you speak a little bit about that? Like, you know, that seemed like so full of promise. And then it was just in and I, out. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's, you know, it, it, I mean, I, I, uh, 10 minutes. Yeah. So um, I, 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 I don't, I mean, you know, uh, I, I, tell you, I tell you, at one point, at, at one point, I sort of realized so, that, call it foreshadowing and that Mm -hmm. was um when we were when he we did a show together just the two of us 
in uh, near where Madame Wong's used to be, in some club down in LA. And it was me doing spoken word and him playing bass. And at the end, it, you know, the loadout was kind of shitty. And at the end, we we're loading it out and load out gear. And he was having a, a hard time with his bass cabinet. I was like, yeah, oh man, I forgot. You know, we're, we're all older now. So I said, oh, yeah. hey man, let me, sorry, let me help you. So we helped him. And I, and, I, and I love Chuck, but you know, the guy more, spent more time, put paid his dues, you know, and not wanting to be in a band that tours all over the place without his family close by or around. I, 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 like, like he tried to explain to me why he didn't want to do it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, if somebody's ever tried to explain to me why they're no longer going to have sex with me, I just thought, I don't want to hear it. That was really, it's all, like the not having sex with me part, that's pretty much all I need to know. You know, the whys and the wherefores of it, you know, unless you think it's going to make me a better person, I don't really need to hear it. So, um, right. And so he tried to explain. I was like, you know, you, this is, you do not have to explain to me. I got it. You just don't want to do it. So that's, that was the end of that. It was fun to do while, while it lasted. And I have to tell you something, those songs, I mean, it was only his Black Flag songs. They were yeah. really, really tough to do. Really, really fucking hard to do. Which is not what you would expect when you're in the audience at a Black Flag show, right? You're in the audience at a Black Flag show. You were like thrashing around and every now and then you'd, you know, break out with rise above rise above yeah but try, try singing that song from beginning to end not that easy newfound respect new, oh shit newfound respect for rollins and and indeed for any singer that sang those songs because it wasn't easy yeah man that, that was uh i mean that was a cool moment in time that that even like happened at all right but it, and it was it like i was i was there was a rare echelon of things where i was excited that it was happening you know, well, was, yeah, you tell me, oh. man, the, the biggest thing was to, we we're going to play support for Iggy Pop at the Off Festival in Poland. And they're going to fly us over and the, get pretty good. I think they're going to give us like 19 to 20 grand to play it. And that would have been really phenomenal. And he bailed on that. And, that, and that's the part that killed me the most. Oh, that would man. Have been I mean, <laughs> yeah. Just, just because I would have wanted, just because I want to see Iggy Pop. And again, it, it was like lightning in a bottle because after, subsequent to that, they had all those crazy lawsuits and then all that kind of, you know, agita over. And then it just, it, you know, that the, it clearly is not something I would try to do again. Now it's just the, the magic was gone. So yeah. Yeah. The, the punk suing punks. I think it was a free kitten song, man. Every single, every single, every single person. I mean, there are a few exceptions, um, but I've never seen a generation more dedicated to destroying legacy um, you know, whether it's the bad brands, Black Flag, or the Dead Kennedys, they have consistently been their own worst enemies. So, you gotta love, uh, I think Ray was expressing support from, from Mitt Romney from the official Dead Kennedys account, and then was like surprised that people maybe didn't care for that or thought that yeah. was, yeah, I mean, it's again, and then they came out that, that it was so, it was their webmaster or some kind of, and I, you know, I just, I stopped listening. I didn't exactly. Care. And it's like, you know what? I want no part of this. This is yeah, a good, yeah. higher good man. I'm good. Yeah. Uh, so what's up? So Epic Act for the new record, right? So yep. when, 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 when's, when's that going to be? 2022. All right. And that's, uh, it. that's all we got. And I mean, I, I probably before then you get the Oxbow record with Peter Brotsman, the live record from the Moore's Jazz Festival that we did. Oh, cool. Yeah. And that's going to come out first. Uh, and I know that because we just finished mixing, mixing it. And so we have a date for mastering. Aaron Turner is working on the artwork for it. So I know Trust is putting it out overseas. 
and uh, SGG is putting it out in the States and that'll probably hit sometime this fall. So that's the first thing. Um, and then um, I've got a side project, Boonwell, that has um, yeah. their yeah. third third record coming out called uh, uh, Killers Like Us. Um, and then you got the Substack too, Eugene Eugene S. S. Robinson dot, dot substack.com. Yeah, you should check it out. Go get it. Uh, so I don't remember if we were doing this last time or not. It's the only can question I ever asked. I just like hearing people's process as they go through it. You can choose to interpret it however you like. But Eugene uh, Robin, why do you do what you do? Um, it amuses me to do so. Um, much more so than lots of other things I can think that I might like to do. And I've done them all. I mean, you know, canoed, paintballed, <laughs> you know, I ride a unicycle. I mean, these, these are all things that, that I've done over the course of time. Um, but, and there was a point at which I decided I was spent a lot of time on stage before doing music as an actor. And I remember in 1981 doing uh, Emperor Jones uh, with uh, Andre Brower, who went on to win Emmys and is on that uh, TV show, uh, Brooklyn 999 or whatever the they right and uh and we did it and he was super excited he goes they were holding us over from uh berkeley theater group wanted to berkeley theater rep wanted to take the show on us to take the show on the road and i just wasn't interested and i went out i said you guys didn't talk to me about this you didn't arrange it with me get somebody else and they're like no it'll be really cool and i said yeah okay and i went and i cut my hair into a mohawk and they were like, fuck you. And I was like, hey, told you, you should talk to me before. But I really, at that point, decided that that I'm an artist and that acting is a craft and not an art. Well, music is I'm writing the lyrics, writing the songs, performing the lyrics and the songs, you know, performing the performance of it. And that it was 100% me 100% of the time and gave me much more satisfaction than reciting words that somebody else had written on a set that somebody else had designed with actors who were, you know, reciting other words that somebody else had written, you know, yeah. they could fake it well. And there's some benefit to that, but I didn't want to spend time around fakers. So that was when I kind of stepped away from acting. And though I, you know, I went back with Leonard part six and, you know, the TV commercial with you know, Gus Van Sant and, you know, it, but that's been to make money, you know, music is a, is a true love affair because it takes into account the performing. It takes into account the writing and singing, you know, which I, I do as I do. Yes, you do. And, and, and I'm, I, for one, I'm glad that you do do. Ah, thank you. Uh, Eugene, it's a pleasure, sir. Thank, thank you, so you Conan. Okay, man. All the best, brother. Take care. Ah, ah there he goes. Mr. Eugene Robinson. Fantastic. Let's hear some Oxbow, y'all.
Ike Homo. Ike Homo? Ike Homo. I don't know. E-C-C-E space H-O-M-O. Ese? I don't know. I love that record. That's uh, And then before that, Cold in the Well-Lit Place, those are both off Thin Black Duke, came out in uh, 2017. That's when that record came out and along those lines. But hell of a record, if you don't know it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Top 10 albums of 2017. Number one with a bullet. Okay. Okay. Uh, great one. That's uh, from the Mighty Oxbow. Again,
right, that's Sorry by Oxbow. That was a uh, Oxbow block. <laughs> that one is off of An Evil Heat. Of course, before that, we had Over, which is off of uh, a Serenade in Red. And before that, we had a block from a record I like quite a bit. Great record. Which is to say that uh, top record of 2017, great as far as I'm concerned, which is uh, Thin Black Duke. We'll be talking to Eugene shortly here, and I think uh, we'll talk about that record and maybe some uh, news. I think there's there, there's some news. If you pay close attention to the internet, maybe this is old news. If you don't pay that close attention to the internet, you know, then I'll get to break it. The news, not the uh, not anything else. Uh, let's listen to one more tune here. Let's hear some Oxbow, y'all. Eight. 
So there you go. Name of the show is Conan Transport Tonic Reversal. I'd like to thank my guest Eugene Robinson of the Mighty Oxbow, Whipping Boy, Substack, so much more. Highly recommended. Check out that Eugene S. Robinson Substack if you are someone that likes good, good writing. It is quite good. New Oxbow record coming too. That's awesome. Excited to check it out. Yeah, name of the show is Come New Trump's Protonic Reversal. Thank you uh, very, very, very much for listening to it. The show airs Thursdays, 8 Eastern, 7 Central, 6 Mountain, 5 Pacific. Yes, Eugene is live. I said that like about three times, by the way, too. <laughs> Uh, archives at protonicreversal.com always free no ads no sponsors no kidding however if you like the show and you want to hear episodes sooner one dollar a month at the patreon level patreon.com slash protonicreversal that'll get you there man thanks everyone for liking the show both in reality and as how the internet means that. Subscribing, sharing the episodes around. I really appreciate it. I've got Pretty much the only way anyone finds out about it. <laughs> but hey, I'm not complaining. Hey, I'm just saying. Uh, cool stuff coming up. Can I talk about some of it? There's one I really want to talk about, but you know what? I'm not going to say anything until it's done. This microphone turns sound into electricity. Can Eugene Robinson got vaccinated, so should you. Stay safe out there. Out on Route 128, in the dark and lonely. And take it easy. I got my radio on. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? to my top 10.
like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. Thank you. 